You're listening to the Hardcore Honeys Podcast, starring your hosts, the snarky, the sassy, and the pretty Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson, the all-knowing, the all-wise Shay Vassar, and the man in the middle, Mr. TJ. And here's the show. Guess what's finally arrived, you guys? We got some NBA Finals basketball. We got Lakers versus the Heat. Jade, was this Finals matchup even on your radar? No, like, who saw the Heat going to the Finals? I mean, I I had Lakers to win everything. Pretty sure I'm going to be right about that. But the Heat? No, no. Like, no chance. I don't like the Heat just because, like, all the way to the Finals this season just seemed wildly unlikely. Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at, too. I think we're seeing kind of some of the reasons why they weren't on our radar. I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong. They have obvious reasons why they're struggling because they have some key players out. But I think this is why we weren't really like, yeah, the Heat are definitely going to the NBA Finals. I'm just going to say it is definitely a one-of-a-kind Finals matchup. Today, though, we are going to talk about the domination of pretty much at all times of the Lakers, how the Heat have to play to come back. And I'm sorry about this, Jade, but we're going to have to be talking about some LeBron James-oriented stuff. First thing we're going to start with is a Scottie Pippen quote about how he views the finals this year. To quote Scottie Pippen, I'm going to be honest, it's not NBA basketball. It's not the travel. It's not the fans. It's not distractions. It's pickup basketball. It's going to the gym. You already got your team. You practice out. It's more of a pickup style game. I looked at Rajon Rondo. Ain't made a three-pointer in his whole NBA career. Now, all of a sudden, he's in the bubble, and he's probably shooting 50% from three-point range. I haven't checked the stats completely yet. Do you, Jade, kind of agree with Pippen on this? This is more of like pickup style games? I think Pippen it sounds like a grumpy old man, honestly. That just feels like such a narrow-minded approach to what this year has been so like yeah it was gonna be different but to say that it's not NBA basketball to me it's it feels a little bit disrespectful to the people that went and played in the bubble that had to overcome COVID and everything else that's happened this season like you were not an NBA player in 2020 Scottie Pippen maybe keep your opinion to yourself because you don't know like you don't know what these guys have been through the mental toll it's taken all the extra work that went into it. Like, I don't think this championship is going to mean less to whoever wins it than any other one did. I see both sides because, like, since the beginning, I've said this is going to be a series that we talk about for a while just because of how monumental 2020 has been. I mean, we're going to be talking about the whole jazz coronavirus thing. Um, We're going to be talking about the shutdown. We're going to be talking about the fact that they restarted the season in a bubble. I think that in itself, I mean, this is just a season we're going to be talking about for a really long time. And even though there aren't some of the same like travel and, and the fans and all of that, and the idea of like home and away is taken out. There are still a lot of other battles that these guys are fighting against. I mean, yeah, some of them have their families in there. Some of them see it as a work trip, like Jimmy Butler. But with that, they're still, like, outside of the world during a global pandemic after being off for how many months was that? Where some of them didn't even have time or a place to go to practice because they, you know, would usually go to a practice gym. They didn't have that. At the same time, I do get where Pippen is coming from. I do think that he's kind of like a cynical man and he's always kind of had that like weird personality where he's just like, he's kind of grumpy all the time. Like even when he was young, he was a grumpy old man. But, you know, again, not to bring it to 2K every time I have something nowadays, but I've been doing some scrimmages in 2K and it feels like bubble, you know, because there's no fans and it's weird. I'm like, oh, well, this is like the bubble play. So I I do get where he's coming from. I don't agree. I think he's kind of undermining some of the other issues that just come with this season. Going off of that three-pointer comment he had, like with uh, Rondo, which of the two teams needs that three-point help the most Shea to win? Oh, this is such a hard question because my first reaction was to say Lakers because 
what we saw last night, which yes, I did fall asleep at halftime. I'm sorry, I had a beer and I was tired. <laughs> but I watched the highlights. Seeing what Miami was doing, it wasn't their offense that had issues with the current, you know, players that aren't able to play. It's their defense because, like, I'm sorry, but there's no way Olenek and Hero are scary enough against Davis. Like, that's just not a good matchup. I mean, Tyler Hero doesn't know how to play defense at all. And we really shouldn't expect him to as, like, the type of player he is and for the youth he has. Like, that's that's fine. You're not going to be great in your career at this moment. But with that, the he can drive. And they, they showed that, and they were getting into the paint, and they were doing pretty good, while the Lakers didn't. However, if your defense is going to suck, then it's probably pretty good if you have some three-point shots. So even though I want to say Lakers, part of me thinks it might actually be the Heat, because it's like, even if your offense is getting in there and doing really good, like you're not going to win with just a whole bunch of two-pointers if your other teammates are dominating on every aspect of the game. Do you agree with that, Jade, or other way around? So when you asked the question, my brain instantly went heat. And that's for a couple of reasons. Uh, the first reason is they have no answer for AD in the paint. So they better get that extra point as many trips as they can. Without Bam, to, to quote Shaq, it was barbecue chicken in the paint for AD last night. You, you, like, Linux going to stop AD in, in the post? Like, no, that's that's never happening. So there's that, and also on the other end of the floor is just the Lakers' size, again without Bam. I think their only shot, and it's a way outside shot to even get a game in this series at this point, is to spread out the floor, and more than one person's got to be hot from three. So speaking with the height and Bam and stuff, is the height of the Lakers showing the importance of Bam Shay, or is just no matter, even with Bam, it wasn't going to matter? Oh, no. Bam is a key point to stopping, specifically AD. I mean, I don't want to talk about LeBron yet. We'll save that. We'll we'll deal with that one when we have to. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think Bam and AD is the matchup that I was probably looking most forward to because I don't think AD is a bad player. I think he has been kind of overrated to this point. I think he is proving himself to be a reliable player. He's not a leadership player, but he is a reliable secondary player. But without Bam, he is just like, he has free range out there. They they don't have your your speed of the smaller guys out there is not beating both the speed, strength, and for the most part accuracy that AD is bringing. And so it's just it's kind of sad to watch just because I I don't think it's really a fair matchup without these guys. On the topic of AD, so he's playing like a monster. Is it because of AD coming to a whole new level, or is it LeBron just taking the pressure off Jade? I think it's probably a bit of both, but I think the bigger thing is that there's nobody on Miami without Bam on the floor that could stop him. And I think there's a few other players who would be feasting in this situation. It's hard for me to give him a lot of credit for it, when you're not being defended by somebody that could stop you. Right. Right? Like, when you show up big against a matchup that is a difficult matchup for you, then I'm impressed. But a lot of what it feels like is, you know, he's on the varsity team playing against freshmen. And it's almost legitimately that, because Miami has relied on a lot of rookies the entire season to get where they've got. So, yeah, 30 points is great. 30 points twice in the finals, awesome. But I can't discount the fact that he doesn't have real competition without Bam in the game. So I can't be as impressed as I think some people are or or people think maybe that I should be. So then, Shay, is then LeBron actually having any factor at all with AD or is it more the lacking of the size that's making AD look so great? I think... What AD lacks in a certain leadership confidence, LeBron brings to the team. And 
in some ways that does take a certain amount of pressure off of AD because when he was with the Pelicans, he had to be that spot. You know, he was the guy. At the Lakers, he's not the ultimate guy. A lot of the attention is on LeBron in a way where I'm almost fearful that say they do end up winning, LeBron's going to get series MVP. And I don't think that's what we've seen in these first two games. And, and really in just in the playoffs overall, I mean, AD is to me as someone who has been very skeptical of the Lakers, skeptical of Anthony Davis as a player. I want to say that uh, he's proving himself to me and he doesn't quite have the same attitude issue that kind of turns me off of some players, including LeBron. I still want to see more from him, which maybe I, I'm asking way too much, but I just, uh, I don't know. I think, I think he's doing pretty good. And I, I don't know if it's LeBron's like talent that's helping him. It's more just his presence. With that domination the Lakers are having, it's been very efficient domination. And so because of that efficiency, Jade, is it because just of the Lakers play, Miami's D, or something like we already mentioned on the height, or Miami using a lot of rookies? It's, I think it's layers of stuff, all of those things included. But also, I'm going to sound like a broken record by the time we're done talking about this, but Dragic and Bam are critical pieces. And for Miami to be missing them, it's a different series. It's a different series with those two guys playing. It, the Lakers would not have been, it, it wouldn't have been as efficient. AD wouldn't have been able to score 30 points effortlessly. Even Dragic's attitude, like I don't like Dragic. I think he's a bit of a dirty player. But at the same time, you know what that brings to a team. Like that's an X factor that without it, there's a bit of a flatness to the team, even without the points necessarily. Like, it's not even the box score stuff. It's an attitude stuff. It's a swagger thing that he brings. On top of he's a really good basketball player. So, yeah, it's always going to be hard for me to talk objectively about is L.A. that good or that efficient or that blah, 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 when... Really, to me, the story of this finals is going to be a team that came in already as an underdog that then got those injuries in game one and never really had a chance after that. Because of these injuries, Miami's had to dip into the bench a lot. We're seeing Leonard playing even right now. Benches are key in the finals. So whose bench do you think can handle the adversity more? I think the bench conversation is another way that this finals is other from others finals. I think historically this is going to be the least important bench in an NBA finals maybe ever because of the situation. Like you got LeBron and AD and you've got all these pieces that Vogel has moved in and out of the starting lineup. Like Dwight Howard has started when he didn't start very much. Um, Rondo was unavailable for parts of the season, but he's been available now and he's playing really well. Um, but really when you have AD and LeBron and the opposing underdog team is missing two key starters, there's no comparison in whose bench needs to step up more just based on circumstance. And I don't think Miami is deep enough to handle it. I mean, if they were, it wouldn't be such a surprise that they made it to the finals at all, I think. Okay, Shay, would you agree with Jade there then? I do. I mean, the issue with getting hurt, which obviously you can get injured at any point. But I think what makes this iconically sad is because I wouldn't want to be the Lakers right now being like, heck yeah, we won the finals when they're like, they're pulling strings, you know, they're, they're really trying to put something together to beat them when without these two key players, there's like a lot better chance. It's like, it almost feels like taking candy from a baby type thing where it's like, it's not great basketball for us to watch as viewers because it's, it's sad. We're like, we're not even getting the real deal, you know? And we wanted Miami to have like a fair chance and they're not. And I mean, it is good to see, then they're still pressing forward. Don't get me wrong. Like, I don't want to totally undermine the fact that these two guys are the only reason they made it to the finals. No, I, I mean, but they are such a team-oriented team that losing two of their key parts 
really messes that up. So it's like they're trying to figure out how to work that balance. While the Lakers are such a player-oriented team, uh, they don't really need to have the, quite the same teamwork. So if even if, for example, AD was to get injured in the same way, I could still see the Lakers putting up a good fight and possibly winning because they're a player-oriented team. They're not a team-oriented team. This is a big question, I think. So if for some crazy reason the Heat pull a 2006 finals of coming back after being down 0-2, which finals would loss would mean more, Jade? The 2011 finals with the Miami Heat or this year's final? Uh, I think this year... Also for reasons that are not necessarily court-related, but I'll, I'll start with... Actually, you know what? It's all reasons that aren't court-related, right? Because LeBron went to L.A. to win a title. They traded... They mortgaged their future to trade for AD to win a title right now. For Miami to be down 0-2 and injured and... LeBron to lose this like that would just be embarrassing that would be a level of embarrassment that like the goat conversation should be over Ooh, I if love he that. didn't win and I don't really see like I I don't see that happening like I just gotta throw in the 2011 Mavericks team was pretty much just Dirk and then some very solid role players Miami you had the th- big three so you don't think that adds a little bit to it Jade or nah no, he's older, he's wiser, even though, like, yeah, Dirk was most of the team, you know, they didn't lose two starters in game one. Mm, that's a key. So. <laughs> I still feel like even even the 2011, they had a normal season, and I still think that we are just, un- the, the whole rhetoric around it is undermining how much anyone that played in the bubble had to sacrifice in order to even make the playoffs first round or not. Um, and I just, I think that means a lot. Um, I don't, I don't know. That's such a hard thing because part of me wants to say this one, but oh, I don't know. I'm just going to go with Jade. Okay. I'm just going to go with Jade. <laughs> Ooh, real hot takes you guys. Real I hot know, takes. I'm doing really good. Speaking of, hot takes, and at stake at the end of everything, which coach has more at stake, Vogel or Spolstra, like when it comes to their job? I think Vogel. I, again, because I said this last episode and I will stick to it. Spolstra, one, he is, he's like part of Miami's brand and he's a great coach. They should not have even gotten this far. Like we did not, you know, we've gone over all that. I think he's great. I think he's totally kept his job he's gonna keep it Vogel on the other hand it's all about if LeBron is happy and if they lose LeBron is not gonna be very happy because again LeBron is the real coach of this team so it's gonna look bad if they lose and Vogel's gotta go he's like he's like the Lakers beard you know like that's that's what he's there for is just to make it look like someone else is coaching the team but LeBron is really coaching and playing Jay, do you agree there? Yeah, and I'm just going to leave it at we agree because I feel like it's like the third time we've talked about this. So, I, and with every series, there's a new coaching situation. That's just why I asked with it. No, but for um, the season, like the people that had the most to lose have been the same all season long. Some breaking news that we got right before we recorded is Paul George is being shopped right now by. The Clippers. Jade, is Clippers jumping the gun too quickly? Not even a little bit. No. Like, there's a combination of things that have gone on, right? We know there was chemistry problems all season long. We know that the team wasn't really on board with both Kawhi and PG's load managing during the season. There was controversy about that. But if you're going to load manage all season... You have to show up in the playoffs. You have to. You have to show up in the playoffs. And Paul George didn't. On top of that, doesn't seem to be meshing well in the locker room from reports. That article mentioned that he came up in the exit interviews of, it sounded like, quite a few players this season. 
about how the ball got stuck when Paul George was on the floor. So, I mean, it's pretty satisfying to me as a Raptors fan because Kawhi could have stayed and we're a championship team again this year if Kawhi stays in Toronto. Not only that, Masai Ujiri has once again proved how brilliant he is because he could have traded for Paul George and Kawhi would have stayed. That's what he wanted. And Masai looked at that and said, yeah, no, not doing it. And maybe it would have worked better in Toronto, but I would rather keep the guys that we kept to make better moves with, even because I I think some of them will be traded this offseason. But I would rather have them to trade in smart trades than to just give them all away for Paul George, who I think would have had a bad playoffs regardless of the team that he was on. I think they jumped the gun in getting him in the first place. It's not smart basketball to let a superstar make demands. When, by all accounts of what I read, they had a list of guys and Kawhi said, I want to play with him. That's not enough information. Why do you even have a scouting staff if that's how you're going to make your trade decisions? Like, you're just paying those guys for nothing at that point. I had never thought it was a smart decision. If PG had showed up, maybe I would be saying something different, but he didn't. If you still see Kawhi Leonard as the piece you have to keep, then you have to get rid of Paul George and hope to find someone that can get you over the hump next season because I believe Kawhi only signed a two-year deal. He did. Uh, Shay, do you agree with Jade on that one? I don't think it's too early and I have similar, well, okay. I have similar yet different feelings because like, of course, I was on the other side of that Paul George trade and that was the catalyst that made Russell Westbrook ask for a trade. So part of me is just a little, little, little still angry little little anger inside of me about the fact that Paul George was like ready to jump on that and again that it was just like Kawhi was like I will come to you Clippers if 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 you get this guy which again I don't understand why of all NBA players it was Paul George don't get me wrong I really like Paul George as a person and when he has been good he has been good like that obviously that's the whole point but I don't get why of all the players, that's who he wanted. And it, it created a whole different situation at Oklahoma City. Granted, the situation at Oklahoma City has played out nicely. Like, I currently dig the situation. I did, I, I don't think Chris Paul is going to, like, stick around. Uh, if he does, it'll be one more season. But I don't think, I don't think he's long-term. But the, the young kids that we have playing right now are, like, incredible. And I'm so happy to have that next generation to kind of grow up with even if we do end up trading a couple like we have like a good solid team but I just don't I don't like how quick that was so that's where I I definitely want to agree with with Jade is I think that that's where they like jumped the gun was they're like cool Kawhi boom oh Paul George yeah okay and then that had a ripple effect around the NBA part of me does want to give a little bit of what's I, I don't know the word, like a little bit of ease, I guess, for Paul George, just because he has only been there a year. And like, you know, sometimes that's a chemistry thing. And, you know, he's had some personal issues, I guess, with his own like mental health that he's brought up, which always makes me feel like a little heartbroken to just be like, yeah, you're a horrible player. You deserve to be. I mean, it is like your performance, though, and your job. So I get caught in like a weird in between there because it's like, of course, I think that you should take care of your mental health. But if that was the case, then maybe opting out of the bubble would have been better. It's like, I, you can't get mad if you're like having a really bad, like, like day and you feel sick and you go to work and throw up on your boss and get fired after that. Like you probably should have called out, like throwing up on your boss might cost you your job. Like, that's just that. And that's kind of where we're at with Paul George. Just like, I have some sympathy for him, but at the same time, like it could decide his future so you're telling me that's how i quit my job new game plan awesome just puke on my butt um i wanted to make a point with something shay said too and we kind of both said it but i think it bears repeating part of the problem with the clippers with the rockets maybe even with the lakers if it was a different finals matchup is 
that the media, especially the national NBA media, has made it seem like this add superstars and stir thing is a recipe for good basketball. And it isn't. It never has been. Historically, great teams have played together for a while. Unless they were like a big team like LeBron's team or that Boston team. But even like the Warriors, when they had their run, they had continuity in coaching. They had continuity in their core roster. And so because this is what the NBA is doing, we've been sold this product and told, hey, it's a good product. It's not a good product. It's never going to be a good product. And when it doesn't work out, that's what we need to remember, that this is not a good product. The NBA media is telling us this is a gold star and it's a flop. It's not how good basketball is created. And so I always kind of have to take that into consideration when dealing with these teams who underperformed, quote unquote, because really we shouldn't expect them to do amazing just because they had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together. It's not enough. In some cases, it will be enough, but that's luck. Like, it's going to be luck for the Lakers that they didn't have to go up against a full-strength Miami team or a Boston team that played pretty good basketball or a Raptors team that played Raptors basketball. They're lucky that they got bust up Miami in the finals. Right. It's not because... LeBron and E makes a great basketball team. I still don't think they're a great basketball team. I think Miami is the better team, right? But sense. Lakers are going to win largely because of luck, not because LeBron and AD are such an amazing duo or because the team is so fantastic. And you know what? Lakers fans are going to be even more insufferable after this season because now the only thing that puts them that uh, have a you know you have that those comebacks for Lakers fans right and one of them is like well you don't have the most rings well now they're going to be tied for the most rings right one thing Jeff Van Gundy said and I was just like wow one of my least favorite commentators I finally I agree know. with he said those five titles should not be should not be in LA five of those titles should not be in LA so when he said that I was like I hate to agree with you right now because I think you're so annoying. But I you... think he is too. And he always talks and, about things that are not basketball. And why? Why Jeff Van Gundy and, and Mark Jackson all the time on the oh, same broadcast? The why time. are you doing this to us? Were you guys watching that game where Van Gundy talked about his parents getting hit by cars? <laughs> what? <laughs> I have to find it. He was talking about how his dad, you know, the other famous Van Gundy, got hit by a car in a crosswalk and he was fine. He was just, like, recovering or whatever. And then he talked about how it had happened to his mom, like, weeks prior, too. And I was like, why? Like, during the game, too. And I was like, I don't, I'm a little worried about your parents, but also, like, want to watch this basketball game and not worry about your parents. Right. That's like, how lame the game was. You talk right. about no, that's how lame Jeff he is. He does that every time, regardless of the like. Give me C Web and Reggie a hundred percent of yes. the time. Thank I, you. And it annoys me because you know that this is just the situation where it's like those guys are veterans and they have the contract. So until their contract is up, they get those high-profile games. Right. I need their contracts to be done and I need ESPN to be smart enough to move Reggie and C-Web up the ladder because they're so much better to listen to. But see, they're under contracts with Turner Broadcasting, so Turner would have to buy them out. Whatever so, they have to do. <laughs> Just like, Let's start a GoFundMe. Even don't put them both on the same game. Like, why do they have to be both? On the oh, same right. game all the time. It's brutal. Because they just think he they got great chemistry. But they don't. They have horrible chemistry. <laughs> Swinging back, though, to the Paul George situation. And Shay, since you actually have first, first-hand experience with it, is PG that toxic in a locker room? I would say no. I I think he's inconsistent when it comes to the court. 
but everything that I've seen, like, obviously, I don't know the guy personally, but everything I've seen is that he he has, like, a certain kindness and he has a certain amount of, like, care for his other teammates that I don't really see him being, like, a, a toxic player. Um, I think that maybe he's a little moody and he, like, has a lot of emotions. And I I don't know if he's ever been on a team that fully knows how to deal with that because it's not like some of the other moody players that I can think of are definitely like I mean of course I'm going to say Russell Westbrook he's moody but he takes that and he he keeps it to himself and he motivates it himself through the game and he puts a lot of that on himself rather than showing it on the outside like or to the point to where it would like affect his teammate negatively and I think that Paul George might have a little bit more of a sad energy that like he gets really he's like kind of a sad boy and I think that's why I'm just like oh you need a hug like oh I think Paul George just needs a lot of hugs and I don't think he's quite getting them and so I think that maybe that's where it kind of plays into some of the dynamics but I don't think he's necessarily toxic. Jade do you think he's toxic or do you agree with Shay more? I don't have as much firsthand you know time watching Paul George but I think it's probably more a function of that terrible ad superstars and stir thing because the toxicity, I'm using that term just because it's what we're using, but like what's put it in come quotes. Out, yeah, what's come out of that is because you threw these guys on a team and you didn't think, how's the team going to react to this situation? I kind of think of it like when parents get divorced and don't have the proper conversation with their children and the children are just left to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like there are right ways and wrong ways to make big decisions. And I feel like the Clippers made a big decision in the wrong way. Like I would be surprised if there was any like addressing of, listen, guys, we're bringing in these two players. And that conversation needed to be had as it was. With Kawhi Leonard and Paul George not in the room. There needed to be a conversation with the team that said, listen, this is our plan. We were going for everything this season. But in order to do that, these guys are going to be load managing. This is how we're going to do it. This is the games they're going to be sitting out. This is why we're going to be. Because it just seems to me like the grownups, meaning the coaches in the front office, made decisions for the team and didn't feel like they needed to explain it to the kids being the players. And once people are a certain age, you have to explain shit. You can't just expect them to just roll with it. And kids that are the most well-rounded have parents that explain things to them from the time they're babies. That like that's just how they talk. And that's why it makes me feel like the rest of the Clippers team were like kids where someone's making decisions for us and nobody's explaining it and then on top of it it didn't work. Right. So it's all of this pile of stuff. I think the toxicity is a byproduct of poor team management and not Paul George. So the trade that Paul George could possibly be involved with, this is the biggest one, is a Nets move. So the Nets would send Carl Levert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen, and some picks. Who Levert? Yeah. Karis? Karis Levert. Did I not say that? You said Carl. I'm, I'm I said so Carl Levert. Well, oopsies. Sorry, Karis. Sorry. He's French. He doesn't care. Oh, oh okay. I think he probably does. <laughs> okay, just, then, Shay. Um, make sure we edit that one out. Uh, yeah, sorry to all of our French. Hey, I worked with the French Cultural Embassy for a while. So Shots fired. Um, <laughs> granted, there would have to be some other players on the Clippers end, too, with that trade, just to make it work. But, uh, Jade, would you pull the trigger on that, Jade? If I was the Clippers, I would. If I was Brooklyn, I think it's a terrible idea. But I think you take those guys off Brooklyn and put them around Kawhi, and that's a dangerous team. Like, those guys played so well this season. I was impressed with all all of those names you mentioned, Dinwiddie, Levert, Allen. I was really impressed with them in Brooklyn. And if you can move the three of them together... And keep them on the same team with the Kawhi. I think the Clippers leftover pieces, kind of regardless of who they move, I think it could work. But if you're Brooklyn, like, man, I already feel so bad for Steve Nash. Oh, I know. 
I feel like it's going to be like two months into next season and he's going to be like, what did I get myself into? And if you add Paul George to that, I just, it's another one of those things where it's like, okay, let's just throw three great players together and hope it works. And I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Uh, So Shay, you know, a large trade like this for, a Paul George, would you would you pull the trigger if you were the Clippers, or would you hold back on it? Clippers? Heck yeah, those are great young players. Just like Jade said, put them around Kawhi. He reminds me of, of like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not young Obi-Wan, older Obi-Wan, because, you know, oh, not he literally... McGregor? Original, original series Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I love Ewan McGregor. But he was young and he was like a little bit too chatty. I'm talking about Kawhi is, you know, he's like a Jedi master that is just like, he's one of the worst. Yeah. And he, when he does say something, it's remembered. I mean, think of all the one-liners that like, I'm a fun guy. All of his one-liners have become memes. They have been used again and again. They're now like best-selling t-shirts on every website. Like he is a Jedi master and we need to put young people around him and yes I just made a whole Star Wars thing but do I think Paul George would fit with oh my gosh no because again he is a sad boy you know what Katie and Kyrie aren't sad boys they are bullies they are complete egomaniac bullies and they love being those people like don't get me wrong like they are proud of who they are Paul George is not in the same like world as them and I I really just see a lot of bad tension there yeah that's interesting because when I think of Kyrie and KD I see the two guys in the NBA that might have the lowest self-awareness yes because KD can't figure out why no one likes him but he won't stop getting in Twitter like it's such an obvious fix Kyrie constantly says shit that is controversial and then says, oh, no, don't believe it. Like, he did that with the LeBron thing this week. After we talked about it on the live stream, he came out and said, oh, don't believe that fake news. But, dude, you said it. And you have no idea that what you said can be interpreted in the way it was, even when someone explains it. It might not be the way you meant it, but he is very lacking in specificity in his use of word. And then when people call him out on it, He's like, oh, no, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did say that. It might not be what you meant to say, but it's what you said. And that's another easy thing that he can't seem to figure out, that I'm not saying what I actually mean. So this is why I'm always misunderstood. So two people whose self-awareness is so low that they can't fix those little things, I think would just be like so much more weight on someone like Paul George. That's going to be just a not fun situation for for speaking of steve nash is he gonna make it through the full season jade or are they gonna fire him early so the only thing that i think will save him actually it's a couple of things one his team is not run by james dolan so Mm -hmm. i think that in itself might be enough to get him through a season and give him a, a, a chance to see what can happen Also because he is Steve Nash and it's going to be difficult for Brooklyn to hire him when there was no previous information saying he wanted to coach and all of a sudden he's the head coach. He's never been an assistant. I think they would have to let him do the whole season just to save things. Shay, do you think he'd be able to make it through the full season or are they going to cut it short for him? Part of me, because he had not vocalized a coaching want. Part of me wants to say that he's already been paid to be, again, a figurehead to bring attention. I'm like all conspiracy theory with the NBA. Because it's like, I really think that he's like a figurehead. Because of course, it's, it's going to bring a whole different fan base to watch their games. I mean, a, a, an older demographic, the Phoenix Suns demographic. I mean, they literally could tap into so much just by having Steve Nash there. I think that it's more that. So I think he'll make it through the season, but I think it's because like he already knows what's up. He already knows he has to make it through the rest of the season, and he's not even the real coach. I got a question for this one. Just came to my mind right now with it. Who would you rather have in the locker room, PG or Joel Embiid? Shay. 
Oh, PG, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's not close. I just wanted to know, because we always have to somehow shit on Embiid. And since we've been taking some shots at Paul George, I just had to figure out maybe if you guys had another take. It would be hard for you to put two people where I would take Embiid. Yeah. Could there be any situation, Jade, for the Raptors to get him? No. Goodness, no. Masai would know. Because this is the thing people always forget when they talk Raptors trades, especially people who are not Raptors fans. Masai recruits for character before he recruits for talent because he has that much confidence in our development. So if you don't have the right character for the team, there's no chance. There's no chance. And Joel Embiid is one of those people that as a person, as a as a person who plays basketball, not as a basketball player, but his persona, his attitude, his immaturity is not a thing that Masai would ever bring into our locker room. Somehow the Knicks are going to get Embiid, and it's going to be hilarious. That is a matchup that I would love to see happen. Yeah. Because, you know why? Because James Dolan deserves Embiid. There, yeah. I would love to see that go down. The news that comes out of that. Oh, man. It would be a, like, next season, the Nets is going to be, I think, the circus team of the NBA. We're going to have a lot of gossipy things to talk about because I just I th- I just have this gut feeling that it's just going to be a clown show. And I live like literally two miles from Barclays. So I'm like already planning on, uh, OK, if they're back playing in, in the stadiums, I at right. least want to go there and see if I can see these guys in person because I'm like, I want to see it for real like I want to see it go down it would be gloriously fun so I think we should head on to the fast break we've been chatting about this finals and Paul George situation uh, enough Um, but before the fast break fast break is sponsored today by PropMe PropMe is a social wagering platform catered to the everyday sports fan it has peer-to-peer betting marketplace for social wagering it's an all sports betting platform including eSports, a company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe on the Google Play Store or Apple App Store today. Sign up and join the movement. Um, so, for fast break, Shay, we'll start off with you. Hello. Lakers bench antics. Getting annoying, yes or no? Yes, mostly because I don't like a majority of who's on the bench. Caruso... Oh my God. If I have to look at his little face again, he always has like this really frustrated face on and it really like, it angers me in a way that is like unnecessarily angering. And then like uh, JaVale McGee, like same. I mean, I know he hasn't played a lot recently, but yeah, he's always doing this weird dance thing. And then like, he's always just like yelling, even if they didn't make a good play. And then I just get them out, get the, get the bench out of there, please. Jade. Lakers bench antics. Annoying, yes or no? Yes, always. Always. And it, it it's partially because it comes from this place of who are you anyway? Like, you're JaVel McGee. You, you're going to be a forgotten basketball player, right? The next generation of basketball fans aren't even going to think about you. They won't even know who you were or where you played or what you did. Same with Alex Caruso. Same with Kyle Kuzma. Like, you guys... You play for the Lakers right now with LeBron, enjoy your 15 minutes because you are going to be forgotten in 10 years or less. Oh, less than that for some of those. Next question. So there's a lot of different hairstyles right now. Uh, Jade, who's your favorite hairstyle right now? Oh, I haven't even been paying attention to the hairstyles. Uh, You know what the thing is? Unless the hairstyle is really, really, really on point, I only notice the ones I don't like. Ooh. So I'll give you an example of one that I really liked that he changed it. And I was really sad. So Corey Joseph last had a fade down the sides and cornrows on the top into like a ponytail at the back. And it looked really good. It looked really good on him and it was interesting and it was fun. So I noticed that. But like in terms of hairstyles, I don't like Jimmy Butler's hairstyle because it looks like birds are trying to nest in there. <laughs> I don't like Kelly Olynyk because it's just so cliche West Coast. He which, looks like a um, hick. Huh? 
It's like a hick. Like, I expect him to, like, have boots on and, like, a flannel. I'm like, what oh, are you doing? No, he looks like a, a West Coast pot smoker, which is exactly what he's like. He's Canada's version of a surfer boy. He's from BC. And, yeah. and so that's, like, I don't have any hairstyles right now. I will say this. I remember watching last night, they showed Dwight Howard some clips from him in Orlando. And I did think to myself, I prefer what he's got now than just the really short cut he had in Orlando. Um, it also, I find it so funny that LeBron James has his lineup at the front filled in, but does nothing for his bald spot on the back. It's getting so bad. Because it's like, okay, so clearly it just seems like such an obvious evidence of how vain he is because he only cares about the spark he can see in the mirror. He's not doing anything about the part that we all see a thousand times a game. So it's just like, yeah, that that tracks. He should ask Caruso how to deal with it. Snap. Uh, (laughs) Shay, I'm going to ask you the same question with it. I mean, if you have more of a least favorite haircut go with that but if you have a favorite your choice with that i will say at the beginning of the bubble dwight howard had some purple in his dreads i really dug that that was cool because you don't see a lot of color in the nba anymore um so and it wasn't like anything crazy uh it didn't feel like he was trying to like copy what um like Rodman used to do or anything. It was just like, he was like, yeah, I put some purple. Cool. That's our team color. Cool. Uh, so that was cool. But I say that to say the best hair is Dennis Schroeder's lightning yes. bolt. So yes. I read about it because I, I wanted to know if it was a birthmark and it's not. His grandma told him when he was young, you got to do something to stand out and told him that he should bleach a little spot of his hair. So he's always done that to stand out. And and then that's why it like progressed to doing like a lightning bolt too because he was like oh I'm on the thunder but I was like I thought this whole time and I'm like that's so smart like I might tell my kids to do that too I always thought it was a birth I told someone it was a birthmark I have too me too because and I actually went to school with a kid who legit had a birthmark in his hair so like. I knew that was a thing from firsthand experience. But I agree. As you were, even before you actually said Dennis Schroeder, I remembered that I love his haircut with the the thunderbolt in it. That's so smart. So cool. Yeah, I missed that. I like that. I like that. Bleach his hair like that. That's awesome. Last question. We'll start with you, Jade. If you're playing a pickup game, who you taking? Miami LeBron or Lakers LeBron? Do I have to take LeBron? If it's it's you're playing a pickup game and you can choose one of those LeBron as your teammates. My, Miami LeBron. I take Miami LeBron. Miami LeBron? Okay. I feel like he was slightly less insufferable all those years ago. Like, I just feel like every year he stays in the league, he gets a little bit more insufferable. Yeah, so that I, I'll take him fewer years in the league. Miami, I think he was having more fun with basketball, too, because he's playing with his two best friends, pretty much. That's what I was going to say as my answer. You were going to say Miami, LeBron? Yeah, for that reason. It just, like, looks like he was having fun. Now he's like, I have to win, or they won't think I'm the GOAT. I need to win, 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 win. I'm like, okay. That's what it is, too. LeBron is not going to bow out of basketball grace. No. And I think... Like, I think the ultimate mic drop, if it was me, the ultimate mic drop would have been to retire after going back to Cleveland and and ending absolutely on top in your home state, in your home team, bringing them that championship and then be like, that would have been a graceful departure. I feel like his final years in L.A. are going to be a bit of a circuit. Because he signed to be in L.A., not to be a Lakers. Right. Well, and I mean, in the same way, we that one's obviously a different storyline. But you saw some of that with, like, Jordan leaving for a bit. Like, people don't do – like, Jordan has his own, like, whole, like, pride issues. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying he's, like, a totally humble guy. But he did leave, like, right after the peak of his career to go play another game. And that to me always, I think, is really kind of cool because it's like, it's not like 
the same as like LeBron being like, I have to play, I have to win. I have to like be so, I have to be the best. Like if you have to actively fight that you are the GOAT, you are not the GOAT. And I think that's the difference is Jordan had a drive to win and that's what made him the GOAT. But he never like went out there and was like, I am the best basketball player that like maybe he did. But like it had already been said before he's like self proclaimed it and LeBron just keeps self-proclaiming it and it's so annoying I I think like I'm gonna get a little bit Freudian here but I honestly think LeBron will not know who he is without the screaming of the fans globally from him being a basketball player he might go into movies or whatever else he wants to do in LA and I don't think he'll get the same thing out of it And I think probably the little boy that lives inside of him is terrified because who is he without basketball? He's been a basketball phenom since before he had developed as a person. Right. It's literally inextricable from who he is. And if I was him at this age and stage in your career, at some point you have to start thinking about that and worrying about it and wondering like, who am I going to be when this is over? Because, like, yeah, he has his philanthropy stuff, but it's still all tied into being LeBron James' NBA player. Right. Even his parenting, because his boys play basketball. Like, And I have a feeling he's going to become like that. You know, like the moms that make their daughters, like, do beauty pageants because they weren't beautiful or something? Horrible. Like, it, it's going to be that, except for worse, because he already knows what the fame is like. So he's going to push his kids so, so hard. And that's going to be hard on them. Even if he was not going to be that person right. as a parent, it was already going to be hard for any of his kids who played basketball because you're LeBron James's kid. Like, <laughs> that that shadow is already, like, you're none of those boys are going to be better than he was. Or maybe, I don't even think, they won't even be on the same level he was at. So, like, that's such a lot of weight to put on them, too. Poor Bronny. Yeah. I think we have hit some solid takes and ideas for things. And hopefully, listeners, you were more entertained by us than the first two finals games. That's all we can ask for, really, right now. Also, before we sign off today, we got some new stuff coming. We got some new ideas. Keep your eyes peeled for it. We got some more things that you can see us at. And on that note, we are out like the heat in four. Ew. Ooh. <laughs>